Welcome to New Life Church Sermons. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to connect more with us, go to newlifesl.church. Ezekiel was a prophet of God in a strange land as they are dealing with captivity. They are dealing with uh, the result of their nation's sin, the nation of Israel. And uh, God uh, typically would raise up what is called prophets to call the people of Israel or the people of God back into proper covenant with him. In other words, the prophet would tell people to repent, change, you're living wrong. This is how God wants you to live. This is what is pleasing to God. And very rarely was a prophet popular because he would point out in people's lives what they needed to change. That's why the Bible says they killed the prophets because the quickest way to shut somebody up is apparently to take their head off. You ever heard the term, don't kill the messenger? That's literally what a prophet is, a messenger of God. Uh, And he would deliver the word of God and sometimes it would be rough and harsh and hard to hear and other times it would be pleasant, but... Over and over again, you see in the Old Testament this theme through every prophetic book. Turn back to me. That was the main message of every prophet of God. It had nothing to do with their signs, their wonders, their dreams, their visions, their ability to read people's mail. That had nothing to do with the message and the motive of the prophet of God. The foundation of every prophet in scripture was a call to God's people to repent. And so because of that, Ezekiel declares many words from the Lord, repent, turn back to me, come again to me. Isaiah, Jeremiah, others And in this passage, though, we see that what uh, was a land that was filled with desolation and ruin will once again experience a touch of God. And the result of repentance, the result of turning to God, It's watch verse 33, thus saith the Lord God, in the day that I shall have cleansed you from all your iniquities, I will also cause you to dwell in the cities and wastes shall be builded after I cleanse you. Well, you can only be cleansed when you turn back to God. So before a cleansing, there is first a turning, us turning to God. The New Testament confirms this through the writer John. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. 
Your confession to God is your turning. And when you confess and ask for forgiveness and turn to God, he will forgive you and he will cleanse you. And the Lord in Ezekiel says, in the day I have cleansed you, I will cause you to dwell in the cities and the desolate land shall be tilled. The ruined cities will be fenced and inhabited again. The heathen, the people out there, the people of the world will know that the Lord builds the ruined places and plants that, that was desolate. And then he says, I, the Lord, have spoken it, and I will do it. Uh, that's why when God says something, you can consider it done, because God never does anything, he never speaks, and God never speaks anything he'll never do. Do you believe that today? If he spoke it, he's going to do it. And if you believe that, I think you ought to give the Lord a little better praise in this house. If you believe that, say amen. And revival is a term that has many meanings in our mind. Some are probably incorrect and some are probably influenced by experience. However, revival is not a tent meeting or a week of church services. Those are the results of revival. Those are the things that can manifest revival. People flocking back to the church building manifests revival. Full prayer rooms and prayer meetings, they are, uh, when they are well attended events, those manifest revival. It is a visible manifestation of an inward revival. Revival doesn't happen with empty prayer rooms. That's why we're trying to give an opportunity to fill the prayer room. There is no revival without prayer. Fervent prayer in God's people manifests revival. Uh, you and I must understand today that repentance manifests revival. There is no revival without a turning back to God. You can sit here on the pew today, but your heart can be far from him. But when your heart begins to turn back to him, that is the beginning stages of revival. Your heart has got to be in it. Somebody, Look at somebody and say, your heart's got to be in it. You've got to mean this. You've got to want this. You've got to live this. You've got to breathe this. It's got to be a desire in you that is deep in your spirit. It is not just the fulfillment or the obedience to the preacher's words, but it's got to be something that catches deep in your spirit as the word goes forth from this pulpit. There's got to be a full turning to God. Living holy before the Lord, set apart and uninfluenced by this world system, manifests revival. There's got to be something in us that says, I will not stop seeking to be holy because my God is holy. And I will not stop 
watching over myself and my family to make sure that the world is not influencing my family more than my God is influencing my family. And better yet, I will not stop watching and will not stop working and guarding my family so that the world doesn't influence my family at all. We worship one God, and his name is Jesus. We are not a polytheistic church where we have a God whose name is Jesus and another God whose name is money and another God whose name is comfort and another God whose name is complacency. There is only one God that is in this house and his name is Jesus and every other God must go. If you believe that, say amen. So we've got to look over our heart. We've got to guard our heart. We've got to examine our heart and make sure, yes, I believe in Jesus. But is there another God I'm putting my trust in? I put my trust in Jesus on Sunday, but I put my trust in my job Monday through Friday. Therefore, God only gets my dedication once a week. No, that cannot be the case. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He'll take care of your bills. He is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. I feel a call to repentance going forth to the people of God. Yes, you believe in Jesus, but there's some other gods that you've allowed to take up residence in this temple. But this temple, your body is meant to only be the temple of the Holy Ghost. So it's time to let the Lord, the Spirit of God, search your heart and say, that's an idol and I want it gone. That's an idol and I want it removed. And your willingness to yield to the Holy Ghost determines whether or not he's your God. But turn to me, says the Lord, and I will heal. Turn to me, says God, and I will restore. Revival is what is needed in this church, in this city, and in this Bay Area. But it all starts when the people of God turn back to God. A return to consciousness. This is the definition of revival. A return to consciousness or life. It's a return to consciousness. What is that? It's the awareness of what the Spirit of God desires, what the Spirit of God is doing, and what the Spirit of God is saying. It's a return to consciousness. But the enemy wants to put a hex on God's people to cloud their thinking, to cause their mind to not be able to conceive what the Spirit of God is saying and doing in this hour. But revival is needed in the people of God for our mind to awaken to what the Lord is doing. For our mind to be able to comprehend again that even though it may be dark in this hour, there shall be light in the evening time. <laughs> revival, it's a mind that is set on God and his 
kingdom. It is the people of God who are kingdom minded that when I wake up in the morning, I'm living for the kingdom. When I go to work, I'm working for the kingdom, not my kingdom, God's kingdom. When I walk through the store, I'm an ambassador of Christ in this store. It's a kingdom revelation. It's a kingdom awakening that you are more than a saint. You are more than just a participant of a certain religious organization. If you are filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name, you are a part of the army of the Lord. You represent a kingdom. You do not represent an organization. You do not represent a denomination. But if Christ in you, the hope of glory is dwelling in your body today. You are an ambassador of Christ. You are a citizen of an eternal, undefeatable kingdom. And it's time to become active and flourishing again. I'm calling every person in this room today to come alive in the name of Jesus, to begin to be active in the kingdom of God again in the name of Jesus, to let your spirit flourish again with the fruit of the spirit as you walk in the spirit and it begins to produce the work of God's spirit in your life. I'm calling you to the answer this today. I'm calling you to answer to God today. What will you do with what you have heard? Will you turn or will you turn away? Will you turn to God or will you continue to turn away from God? Showing up on Sunday doesn't cut it anymore. There's got to be a turning to God. There's got to be an all in or an all out. It's time to be fiery hot or it's time to be ice cold. Lukewarm isn't going to cut it anymore. Lukewarm isn't going to turn this city upside down anymore. It's time to decide. I am a child of God and I'm all in. Let's worship him for a moment. Let's worship the Lord for a moment. Revival is being restored from a, a, a depressed, inactive state. Depressed and inactive. It, revival is restoring you from that. It, it's restoring you from being unused and unvibrant to making you active, vibrant, lively, and impactful. And it is the will of God that every person that hears my voice today be restored to a place where you're useful to the kingdom. You're vibrant with the power of God. You're alive unto God. And you're making an impact in this Bay Area. If you want that for you and your family, why don't you praise him for a moment? If you want to be restored today and you want to make an impact in these last days, why don't you worship the Lord for a moment? Amen. Because that's revival. The people of God need revival. 
The people in the world need rescued. You and I have already been saved, which is rescued. But if we've went into a state of spiritual unconsciousness, we need revival. But those who need revival cannot be an impact to those who need rescued. But we are the body of Christ, and the Spirit of God needs a body to work through. But just like he formed a body in the upper room in Acts 2, he'll find somebody who's willing to be a body in these last days to make an impact and fulfill his will. Are you available? I'm asking you today, are you available? Drugs failed you. Alcohol failed you. Relationships failed you. The world failed you. You pursuing your own kingdom failed you. It's time to come back to the Father's house. It's time to be restored and make an impact. Because when inactivity is replaced with purpose and progress, revival took place. When we come out of our carnal coma, and we say, I'm no longer living to please the flesh anymore. But there's a holy dissatisfaction in me that says I'm thankful for what I've experienced in the past. But there's something in me calling me to pursue the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. There's something dissatisfied in me. There's something in me that's stirring. There's something in me that wants really what God has for me. And I'm not going to allow the enemy to deceive me into anything else and I'm not going to allow the taunting of the enemy to distract me from what God has called us to focus on. I'm not going to allow the pleasures of sin and the pleasures of this world to cause me to stumble but there's something in me that's reaching for heaven that wants heaven to come to earth and the will of God to be fulfilled in this house and in this city. Is that you today? Do you want what God has for you? Do you want what God has for your family? And when we begin to turn and we begin to yield to God again, it begins to manifest everywhere. And the visible manifestation is a lively church. It is a full house because we're spreading the good news. It's fervent, fiery, full prayer rooms because people understand I don't have anything better to do on a Monday night anymore than to gather with the people of God and pray heaven down to earth so that every promise of God will be fulfilled. There's nothing else I can do on a Monday night that makes a greater impact than pray with the people of God. And it begins to affect our life and our prayer and our praise and our evangelism. And you actually are different on your job. And you are different in your school. And we are different in our neighborhood. And I want to remind you today that the will of God is revival. It is the will of God for you to not be in a spiritual coma. It is the will of God for you to no longer simply exist on a pew and show up week in and week out and go through the motions. But it is the will of God for you to break out of that spiritual life support and step into the abundant, vibrant life that God is calling you to through his spirit.
But we find this principle in Acts chapter 2, verse 24. Peter declares this about Jesus, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. What we need to understand today is even Jesus needed revival. He was dead in the tomb, but he didn't die for himself. And he didn't die as the consequences of his own actions. And he didn't die because of his own carnality. He died for you. And he died for me. And he died for the 90,000 plus people in this city. And he went willingly to this place of pain and suffering and death simply so that he could come out of it. And what he came out of, he then had dominion over. So that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus came out of the tomb so that you can come out of your tomb. Jesus rose again from the dead so that you can have life everlasting. Not life support, life everlasting and life more abundantly. Are you thankful for that? Why don't you worship him? Why don't you thank him? He came out of the grave. So it is the will of God for you to come out of your tomb. Because what Jesus came out of, he had dominion over. So it's the will of God to come out of your fear. It is the will of God to come out of your shame. It is the will of God for you to come out of your insecurity. Stop making excuses for why God can't do in your life what he wants to do. He is the God of the impossible. He can do anything, so let him do everything. It's the will of God to come out of your sin. It's the will of God for you to stop gossiping and spreading lies and rumors. It's the will of God to come out of your anger. It's the will of God to come out of your sickness and your infirmity because it is written by by his stripes you are healed. Whose report will you believe? I will believe the report of the Lord. And I want to remind you today that when you make up in your mind, I'm coming out of this. What you come out of, you will then have dominion and victory over. The fear that held you captive, you now have dominion over it. The sin that held you captive, you now have dominion over it. Because you came out of the grave. Why don't you worship him for a moment? Tell the Lord, I'm coming out today. I'm coming out of the tomb today. It's the will of God. I want to combat the lies of the enemy and the excuses of your flesh and tell you it's the will of God to come out of your tomb today. Do you want to stay dead or do you want to become alive? That's the question. You want to stay in that tomb or do you want to come out of the grave? Do you want to make some changes and allow the Lord to miraculously transform your life? Or are you satisfied being dead in your trespasses and sins? I understand that we 
Some of us may feel today like we're dead on the inside. Life has that effect. Situations have that effect. And it may feel like life has overcome and overwhelmed you. And that you're buried in a tomb of despair and defeat. And you're trying to look up through the ground as you're buried six feet under. Just looking for a glimpse of hope and a ray of light. But I want to tell you today that your grave is no match for your God. Because the tomb couldn't hold him 2,000 years ago. And whatever stone has got you held captive at the mention of his name, everything can change. And you can be set free. There's something greater than your grave. It wasn't possible for the grave to hold Jesus. And I want to revive your faith today. I want to revive your faith today and remind you that if the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwell in you, well, I've got good news for you today. That same spirit is in this room today. It's not any less powerful, and you're not missing out on some purity of this power. The same presence that raised the body of the man Christ Jesus 2,000 years ago is the same potent, powerful spirit in the room today. Are you getting up? Are you getting up? Are you coming out of your grave today? Are you coming out? You can get victory. You can have dominion. And it is the will of God for you. I want to ask you a question. Why is it so important for you and I to be revived, resurrected, and restored? Why is this such an important point? Why is it something we must stay focused on? Why is it something that we must stay resolute about? And anything that seeks to cause us to stray from it, we must fight with everything in us. That's why Paul said, I have fought the good fight of faith. There is a fight that is a part of this Christian walk. There are some things that we have to be warrior-like about to say, you're not taking me back into the tomb and you're not going to distract me from my purpose and you're not going to set me off course. There's got to be a fight in the people of God. Do you believe that? But why is it important to be revived, resurrected, and restored? Mark 12, 27 tells us, because he's not the God of the dead, but of the living. And I want to remind you today, if you're in a spiritual coma or a spiritual grave today, you're not living like he's your God. He wants to be, and he's ready to be, and he's willing to be, and he's even calling you today to be. But if he's going to be your God, you've got to let him make you alive. If he's going to be your God, you've got to let him raise you up and bring you out of that grave. Because he's not the God of the dead. He is the God of the living. If you're alive today by the Spirit of God, he's your God. But if there's something dead in you, you don't need to walk out this building the same way you came. But you need to let the Spirit of God have its perfect work in your life. Because he's the God of the living. Somebody shout amen. The God of the living. 
And the will of God is revival. Because he is the God of the living. The living are not silent. Psalm 115, 17, the dead praise not the Lord. Neither any that go down into silence. The Psalm 107, verse 2 says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Have you so soon forgotten what the Lord delivered you from? It doesn't matter if you've been saved for five minutes or five decades. Have you so soon forgotten how the hand of the Lord picked you up and pulled you out? How the hand of the Lord kept you from the enemy? How the hand of the Lord healed you and rescued you and brought you out? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. The living are not silent because the living have a reason to shout. I was dead, but now I am alive by the power of Jesus Christ. I think we ought to praise him for a moment. If you're truly thankful, I think you ought to practice and let the redeemed of the Lord say so for a moment. time to stop surviving from Sunday to Sunday but we need to understand something your view of church and the church directly impacts your impact your view of Jesus your view of your purpose your view of the reason why you're here today directly affects the impact you'll make if this is just another church just another organization just a different set of beliefs and just another group to be a part of and you'll sit on the pew till the day you die and you will not fulfill your purpose in God but we are not just a group of people that gather the church of the living God is never meant to be just a group of people that gather we gather but we gather for a purpose this isn't just another part of the sociological pie chart that makes a complete and holistic citizen of the United States. We go to church on Sunday. We work Monday through Friday. We have family time on Saturday. And we do it all over again because that's what good people do. That is not who we are. That is not why we exist the Bible never says anything about that, but the Bible does say, occupy till I come. The church on the earth is meant to be a military-minded organism, not an organization, an organism, because we are a living body. We are a moving, mobile body. We are the body of Christ. We're not an organization. We are an organism. We are meant to be move mobile. We are meant to be flexible. We are meant to be able to flow with the Spirit of God and do what thus saith the Lord. 
And your view of the church determines your impact. And this is a call to arms today. You're here today. I view you as a part of the army. And we see throughout the book of Acts, it was like an army. Acts 3, 1 through 9, Peter and John on their way up to the temple at the hour of prayer. They come across a certain man lame from his mother's womb and he's asking alms. And Peter and John about to go into the temple on their way to pray. Peter fastens his eyes upon him with John and says, look on us. I think there needs to be a boldness in the apostolic church of the 21st century in this Bay Area that we're no longer desiring to be hidden in the shadows and leave us alone. But there needs to be a boldness that the beggar on the street and that the person in the store and that the coworker on our job we're no longer afraid or ashamed to say, look on us. Look on us. We're not just another church. There are real churches and there are false churches. And it's not arrogant to think that we are a part of what is real. We identify with what is found in this book. And we don't dumb it down and we don't take it out. We want what is available in this book. And it's time for us to say, look on us. I'm not hiding anymore because of fear. I'm not being distracted anymore because of the lies of the enemy. It's no longer leave us alone. Look on us. There's something in you that is more powerful than that storm or that trial that the person you pass is going through. Look on us. And Peter says, such as I have. Give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. I want to ask you the question today. Are you filled with the same Holy Ghost Peter was filled with? That was not a rhetorical question. Are you filled with the same Holy Ghost Peter was filled with? Are you filled with the same Holy Ghost Peter was filled with? Yeah, that's the fear right there. Are you filled with the same power from on high that the apostles had in the book of Acts? Look on us. Oh, yes, there's something stirring now. You see, your mind is coming out of the coma, and you're beginning to respond and come back to that spiritual consciousness. I am filled with the same spirit I read about in the book of Acts.
I'm done hearing about promises. I'm done hearing about dreams. I'm done hearing about visions. It's time to stop dreaming and it's time to start doing. We have a vision and a dream and a prophecy that this building will be filled. Now it's time to go out into the highways and the byways and fill this place up. You are filled with the same Holy Ghost. The same power that was in the upper room is in this room today. I'm here today to remind you the same spirit, the same God of the book of Acts is the God we worship today. His name is Jesus. His spirit is in us. His blood covers us and his word is commanding us. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel in my name. Praise him. Stir up that faith in you. There's a faith deep in you. It's time to bring it out of that grave right now. Acts chapter 4, we read Peter and John because of what they did in Acts 3. Here it is. Here it is. This is it. There is a price to pay for being what we call apostolic. We cannot be apostolic in doctrine, but not apostolic in deed. If we only are apostolic in doctrine, but we don't practice what we claim we believe, we're frauds. I'm not going to be a fraud. Acts 4, Peter and John are facing persecution and uh, about to be beaten for what they did in Acts 3. But as they stand before the council, after Peter boldly declares, neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. The council, in verse 13, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. You know why we don't have boldness like we read about in the book of Acts? Here it is. We don't spend enough time with Jesus. If you visit him only on Sunday morning, no wonder you're dealing with fear. If you only pay attention to him for an hour and a half on Sunday morning, no wonder you're carnal. No wonder your life doesn't match up with what you read about in the book of Acts. And so the revival comes when we turn back to Jesus and we say, I'm staying at your feet and then I'm going to go out and impact this world. And then I'm going to come back and stay at your feet because the world will know those who have been 
with Jesus. You don't have to go around and say we're apostolic. Stop. Just go and be with Jesus and then go and reach this world. Amen. What we understand, what hit the upper room was the resurrection power of God. But it was never meant to stay in the upper room. And it quickly left the upper room because those who were in the upper room went out and preached. It was meant to leave the building and fill the city. Miracles, healing, preaching, converting, revival. Sunday, it's meant to fill this house. Monday through Saturday, it's meant to fill the city. And it's time for you to awaken in your mind to the reality of what God wants to do in this church. It's meant to fill the house on Sunday and Wednesday night. And it is meant to fill your city Monday through Saturday. And I said fill. We are done hiding. We are done fearing. We are done going through the motions. And I want to challenge our faith as I begin to close. Did you know it is the will of God for his church to grow to 90,025 people in the city of San Leandro? Did you know that? Well, why, my friend? No, it is literally the will of God. This has nothing to do with any tradition or mindset or how we've seen church in the past. What we are going to experience, none of us have ever experienced. So we can't compare what we are in the early stages of. We can't compare it to anything in the past. Because a hundred soul revival, you know, 20 years ago, that is not, that pales in comparison to what God wants to do if his people will step into what he's calling them to. And my question is, do you have faith for it? Are you willing to put your works with your faith? It's the will of God for his church to grow to 90,025 people. I would dare say the majority of us did not believe or understand that. But I stand before you here today with full confidence. It is the will of God. Because 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but he is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all, everybody say all, all 90,025 people in the city of San Leandro to come to repentance. And remember, revival starts at repentance. It's the will of God for all 90,025 people to come to repentance in the city of San Leandro and experience the common salvation. The definition of all is the whole amount, as much as possible. Every member, the whole number. And I like this, every 
single one. So every time one more person walks through those doors and repents, we can rejoice that we're one person closer to all. And it's not for our kingdom, but it's the God we serve. Jesus is willing that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so what God is doing in here, it's got to get out there. But it gets out there through us. It's got to fill the city. We can't be selfish with this revival. And just be excited and happy about what we're starting to feel when we gather. And not tell anyone about it. know somebody that's sick pray for them this week or tell them to come to church next Sunday God will heal them look on us look on us but the reality is is if we're going to be able to reach people that are dead in their sins we first have to be alive ourselves so we can't play games anymore church you and I got to spend more time with Jesus than we ever have before. The stakes are too high. The promise is too great. We can't stay in a coma anymore because there's a lame man that needs your prayers. There's cities that need preachers. So get your revival in here and then take the revival with you out there because the will of God is revival. I don't care how desolate this region seems. I don't care how dead this region seems. I don't care how ruined this region seems. I, the Lord, build the ruined places and plant that that was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken it and I will do it. Thus saith the Lord God, I will yet for this be inquired of by the house of Israel to do it for them. I will increase them with men like a flock. As the holy flock, as the flock of Jerusalem in her solemn feasts, so shall the waste cities be filled with flocks of men, and they shall know that I am. Let's worship him for a moment. Lift your voice to the Lord for a moment.